Hello and welcome to Kaiju Coffee Break, the podcast about giant monsters and the giant nerds who love them. I'm Lee and I love monster movies. And I'm Sarah and I wanted to make a podcast about atmospheric rivers. Rivers? Rivers. Have, do you not heard of this? I, I heard uh, reverse, so I was confused. Rivers. Okay. <laughs> atmospheric rivers. Oh, do I have to do it again too? No, it's fine. Okay. Well, anyways. This we is have, banter. We have an atmospheric river right now. It's what ha- what's happening outside. Okay. Um, and it's it's the same phenomena that dumped all that rain on Seattle and caused a windstorm and has dropped a lot of rain on us. Mm-hmm. Some areas got like ten inches of rain, which is crazy. It is. It's a crazy amount of rain for one storm. Um. So yeah. Yeah. It's been I, pretty rainy. I remember um when we got two inches of rain trying to hike up Deer Mountain and catch a can, and that turned the um path into a stream oh yeah it floods everything so we're still on kind of a flood watch here alongside the river but so far it's uh it's holding its bounds so i think we'll mm-hmm. be okay but yeah it'd have to get up 15 feet to get to us so i'm holding hope that that's not going to be too big a worry it's kind of just a challenge right now to think of anything to make a make a podcast about because honestly i'm feeling pretty creatively drained by just <laughs> sort of the stuff that's happening outside of our house mm-hmm but here here we are. <laughs> We're going to do it anyways. How's your coffee? It's good. I like it. Yeah, I'm liking it a lot too. Um, looks like we are drinking Heritage Coffee Roasting Company from Juno, the Lodge Blend. Yeah, this is the last of the coffee that I got you for your birthday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's lasted us a little while. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Starbucks was doing that free coffee for healthcare providers for a while there. So I, was, I, don't know, I got some free coffee that way. Yep. And then Christmas happened and we had like four extra bags of coffee. Oh, that's right. We did go through the, the or we're still working on the holiday one mm-hmm. from Skyana. Yeah. We got a lot of coffee in the house right now, but that's good. Yeah. Means we're well stocked. Yeah. Lots of good stuff to talk to you about. What do you think of this Lodge blend, the light, light roast one? It's good. Um, I don't need to add cream or sugar or anything to it. It just tastes good as it is. Yeah. I think it's got a nice flavor. I still like cream and sugar because I am a scrub, but whatever. <laughs> it's fine. All right. Um, do you want to get into it? or? Yeah. Is there anything else? Any other bits of uh, life news? Anything you want to talk about? Well, aside from the cat struggling against me to get her collar off for the recording. that's Is that life news? It's cat life news. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, I don't know. Everything's pretty much fine here. We're just uh, trying to stay socially distanced. Yep. Looking at my Facebook memories, because last year, not last year, but four, four years. years ago at this time, we were... On our first trip to Japan, so... Yep, I was doing that too earlier and kind of narrating it. <laughs> I know, it's kind of, it almost makes me kind of sad, though. Like, <clears throat> we're just here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the most I can say about myself right now is I'm physically present. We're making it through. Yeah, we're going to survive this. I got my first vaccine. Yeah, how are those superpowers? Uh, Pretty great. I'm thinking that at least one of them was super podcasting power. Okay. I will have to let the audience make that decision. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel super powered. Not really, actually. The only real side effect I've had so far is just having the need to tell everyone <laughs> that I'm vaccinated. Yeah, just like everyone else. <laughs> we were at the hospital and I'm just like, hey, everybody, it's okay. I'm vaccinated. Doesn't I'm not. <laughs> Lee's not. He's he's a uh, a plague ridden. I'm too young and healthy to get vaccinated. Still curses. <laughs> <laughs> well, my back feels differently, but <laughs> I mean, even if you weren't young and healthy, like a lot of places aren't vaccinating their elderly people and their sick people yet. It's still just 
healthcare professionals and mm-hmm. law enforcement, EMS and stuff. So I don't know. It just really varies. But my grandma's getting vaccinated today. Yep. And my parents and grandparents are already got the first shot. Which yes. Is awesome. Your whole family's been vaccinated with their first shot. And so yeah. do you know, do you know which one they got? Did they get the three, three weeks? I don't week? think they would know. Oh, well, they, I mean, they would have to because they would need to know when to go back for the second shot. I have a family and they're just going to tell them. Oh, it's KIC. Um, okay. They do a lot of good things, but they're not always the most organized. Nothing is organized right now. Yeah. I have like, it just hurts my, my soul, my <laughs> organized soul to see the way that people are like just rolling this vaccine out. But whatever. The important thing is, is everyone but Lee is vaccinated and <laughs> I can't take him anywhere. <laughs> he doesn't even have a rabies. That rab- was true. He doesn't even have a rabies shot, guys. <laughs> you can't take me anywhere. Yeah. Okay. So moving on. Um, we watched a movie called Son of Godzilla, which came out in 1967. Yes, we did. Where can we watch it? Oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> Just taking it out there. God- Super podcasting powers. Yeah. Um, I had to recharge. My batteries were low. Uh, okay. So we can find this movie, uh, in the Godzilla Criterion Showa collection, which is how we watch it. It's like a Blu-ray collection. We've talked about this before. It's on Amazon. Mm. Or if you're not supporting Amazon, I don't know. You can probably find other places too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think you could probably direct from Criterion but mm. okay so also you can stream it on HBO Max and also the Criterion Collection has their own streaming service that they can you can use if you have a subscription to that uh, you can rent it from Apple TV does anyone actually have Apple TV yeah I, a lot of people do I really think. I don't feel like I don't know anyone who has Apple TV but of course they're gonna now I'll tweet at me and call me and whatever uh, anyways, $4 from Apple TV to rent. Uh, to rent it, right. Or you can buy it from Apple TV for $15. Uh, if you want to buy it from Vudu, you can buy it. Ugh. If you want to buy it from Vudu, it's $10. Yeah. Sorry, I'm doing my best, man. It's all right. <laughs> I guess we should have made that second pot. My huh? super my super podcasting powers apparently were a lie. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so this movie was directed by uh, June Fukuda. Yep. The music is by Masaru Sato. Uh, it is an 86-minute runtime, which is an hour and 26 minutes. Yeah. So it's a pretty normal length, I think. Mm-hmm. Didn't seem long, didn't seem short. Yeah, and we've got four kaiju that show up in this. And again, humans are not the monster in this. Uh, meh, I don't know. We we kind of talked about that when we were watching the movie. It's, <laughs> it's sort of, it could be it could go either way, I feel like. We'll talk about that when we talk about the plot. All right, all right. But Godzilla shows up really fast in this movie. You see Godzilla for an instant, one minute into the movie, and then he's just there for the rest of it, 31 minutes into that. Uh, and then the Kamakudas uh, appear at 24 minutes in. So those are like the mantis. Yeah. The gi- So they they so at 24 minutes, they're the tiny ones, right? No, that's the full size. Okay, so then they appear earlier as the little. As like human size. Well, yeah, that was, tiny is probably not the right. <laughs> so these, they're like these little, well, not little. They're these mantis, giant mantis, praying mantis things. Mm. Um, and they appear first in the movie as being kind of small, not like actual praying mantis size small, but. But human sized. Yeah. And then um, 24 minutes in, I guess, they have genetically mutated somehow and become very large kaiju things. Now, I thought this was kind of interesting. Can we talk about Kamakuras for a second? Sure. Okay. So I I was wondering whether that was supposed to be like a pun or a reference to the Japanese town of Kamakura. Mm -hmm. Um, It's apparently not. I looked it up. In Japanese, they're called uh, Kamakiras. And the word kamakiri actually means mantis in Japanese. So 
It's not... I kind of thought it might be something clever just because after they named them the Kamakuras, the um, the sensei, the professor guy is like, oh, leave it to a journalist to think of a clever name. And it mm-hmm. made me think that it must have been something kind of clever, but I don't really, I'm not sure I would say that was super <laughs> clever. I don't know. Yeah, it, it makes sense, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems straightforward to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. What other kaiju do we have in this one? Um, Baby Godzilla shows up for the first time and that was fan named and then turned officially into Manila, which is like mini Godzilla. Y'all liked Baby Yoda? Try Baby Godzilla. Well, no one in this movie seems to like Manila very much. That's Yeah, we're going to talk about that later because I freaking <laughs> hated that. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Manila shows up 29 minutes in. Okay, and then the last kaiju we had was Kumonga. Yes. Uh, at 57 minutes, you could see his leg. And then mm, it takes scandalous. two minutes for the full body to show <laughs> right, up. Right, so 59 minutes, you can see his full body. So Kumonga was a giant spider, right? Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, giant bugs on this island. <laughs> <laughs> if you have an insect phobia, maybe you could skip this one. Mm-mm. But I don't know. I didn't find them to be especially scary. So No. My only issue with spiders are when they're like free roaming around me. When if they're, they're so, on TV, I have no issues. When or. they're so close, you can hear them skittering. If they're on a... um. Or if they're in a terrarium, too, I'm also fine with them. Okay, I'm setting a one-minute timer for you here. Okay. Gosh, the last time I set a timer on here was for four hours. I can't even imagine what I was setting a four-hour timer for. Okay, one minute. Go. All right, the movie starts off with these people flying over the open ocean. And um, I remember right there, um, what's it called? (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, their sensors and stuff start getting mixed, messed up due to brain waves for whatever reason. <laughs> and and then they uh, see Godzilla heading for Sogel Island, which is where this movie takes place. Um, and then jumps over to there to these people that are running what are, what are um, seeming to be like black market or underground tests on this island. And um, they see this guy jump out of a plane and lands, and it turns out to be Goromaki, who is a journalist who's there for a story, but (laughs) not much. Yep. And then weather changing stuff, and I have failed so hard, and here is the last of it. (laughs) I am not good at that timer. I don't know. You usually do better than that. I you guess I needed time, more coffee. You spent too much time thinking about the very beginning, I think. I lost the word for radar. Radar. Radar was the word well, I was looking for. I sonar, but either way, like, the they idea... Were in, they were in the sky, so... The idea that sonar would pick up brainwaves is sort of bonkers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so anyways, so why don't you just uh, finish out your plot summary here? All right, um, the weather-changing technology goes wrong again due to brainwaves, which instead of cooling the island, like heats it up, which alters the human-sized mantai into kaiju-sized mantai. And then Godzilla's son hatches from an egg and they, um, God, I'm not going to They need to flee the island, basically. (laughs) They spend a lot of time Scooby-Doo running away from giant kaiju and then they're like, time to get out of here. Yep. So then they freeze the island. Yeah, they use the, um, the weather changing thing successfully the second time around to cool the island off and freeze the kaiju in place for later movies yeah (laughs) okay anything you want to add to that no that was fine i got listener feedback that they didn't like it when i corrected you (laughs) (laughs) who gave you that feedback the only one who ever gives us any feedback your mom aaron oh (laughs) hi aaron 
Hey, Aaron, we love you. Thanks for listening. <laughs> um, okay, so who is in this movie then? We've got Akira Kubo as Maki Goro. Uh, oh, you've reversed their names, huh? Um, this is the way they were in the Wikipedia. Oh, I see. I, it was okay. It was past midnight when so I put this, this together. So this is this is like English uh, standard names where the first name comes first and the last name comes comes last because he was called Goro Maki in the movie. So so just change it around. Oh my goodness. Okay, so we've got Akira Kubo as Goro Maki. Uh, he also that that actor also played Tetsuo Tori, my favorite character in the last movie we watched, Invasion mm. of Astro Monster, and he was basically the same character. I feel like that it's- like over earnest guy who doesn't really seem to have a reason to be in the midst of everything that's happening yeah he's got the same personality but the characters have like different life paths well for sure but like it's the same kind of personality i think it's like when the rock is in different movies yeah he's still the rock (laughs) Um, (laughs) but but in this one he is maybe a little bit i don't want to say braver because that's not quite right but he he charges into danger but he seems to have like a better kind of idea of what his intended goal is mm-hmm. when he does so <laughs> whereas i felt like tetsuo tori was just kind of like i want the, my money yeah give me my money <laughs> uh we're not gonna go into that again that's crazy okay um beverly made a place seiko matsumiya all right uh we've got tadao takashima as professor kasumi he also played uh osamu sakurai in king kong vs godzilla oh the bongo man yeah the bongo man is all grown up and now he's got <laughs> fake gray hairs yep they like painted gray into his hair to make him look older. I knew he looked familiar, but I couldn't have told you who he was. Sakurai makes sense. Yeah. Um, I think that actor looks like uh, Cal Penn. He's he was uh, Kumar and Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Oh, There's okay. just something about that, like the fa- the shape of his face that is very Cal Penn to me, and also I he just is kind of amused all the time, which is mm-hmm. very Cal Penn. Um, okay. Oh, did you know that Cal Penn went into politics? I believe I did know. Yeah, that, he yeah. went to work for President Obama. What a crazy thing. Anyways. Uh, okay, so we've also got, who else? Uh, Akahiko Hirata is playing Fujisaki. He's in everything. He's in all of the Godzilla yeah. movies, it seems like. So, um, just to, like, throw it back for a second, he was Sarazawa in the first one, right? Yep. Who else? Um. If you can think of anybody. I would have to pull up the list. Yeah. Because he's, he's been a lot He's been in, people. like, everything. He was the commander in Ibira, Horror of the Deep. But he's usually, like, a good guy, I feel like. He's not, he doesn't play the bad guys. Usually I would say he cameos in them as like a good or a bad guy. Mm. Um, this time he is a main character for sure. Yes. He's kind of he was kind of like the uh, reliable, dedicated employee on the base mm-hmm. next to like and it was kind of friends with the professor. Yeah. He's like the number two guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, so it says here at least two of the others on the island were returning Godzilla actors. Yeah. So, there yeah. were like four or five just like research assistants yeah they were and all familiar faces two of them had wikipedia pages that i could look at and see were in godzilla movies mm-hmm. so i'm gonna say the others probably were as well yeah probably all right tell us some trivia then about this movie all right um the main character goromaki uh, that name shows up in two other movies um, godzilla 1985 and shin godzilla so we haven't seen or i haven't seen godzilla 1985 i don't know about you I may have. Well, at any rate, as soon as the guy said, my name is Goromaki, both of us were like, what? And he looked familiar, too. Well, he looked familiar, yeah. So we we were, like, paging back to see, because I thought he, he kind of looked like the guy who played Tetsuo Tori, but I knew that that guy's name was Tetsuo, not Goromaki. So I was like, okay, that's not right. Mm-hmm. We thought that maybe the character itself was a returning character, but it was so familiar, and I didn't think I could remember the names of characters from previous Godzilla movies that well. <laughs> but as it turns out, he is... Not actually, she's not actually that character's not actually in Shin Godzilla, but he's 
talked about a lot in Shin Godzilla because in Shin Godzilla, he's the one that like drops the nuclear bomb in Tokyo Harbor that produces or wakes Godzilla. It's not even clear that he drops a bomb in he there. He does something in there. I think he jumps in. Oh, I don't know. He does something. Yeah. I thought he I thought he like released nuclear material in, in the harbor, but I guess I don't remember. Whatever the case may be, he's the one that awakens Godzilla. But you never actually see him in the movie because he's he's died like yeah. in waking Godzilla. They find the boat that he was on and the shoes were and, like left a suicide there, is, note, basically. Yeah. Um yeah, that movie's a lot darker than these <laughs> ones. Okay. At least the generation that we're in right now, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this movie was made partially to appeal to the date crowd, and they expected Baby Godzilla, a.k.a. Manila, to appeal to teen girls. Yep. Well, I'm not a teen girl, so that explains why I was like, stop, no, the whole time. <laughs> Everyone was just so mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Yep. And this is the first time somebody else played Godzilla. Um Haru Nakajima is the person who normally plays them. Um, and I, if he didn't always play them, I would probably put him in the actors played. But this time they needed someone in the suit that was much bigger than him so that they could make the size difference between Manila and Godzilla to look that much more. You mean they didn't use little toddlers in the Manila suit? <laughs> uh, no, they used a little person for that. Aww. Yeah. Okay. But, um, yeah, the... The two actors that they used, I guess one of them was a baseball player, but they were all, the both of them were big, big, big people. Big, yeah. yeah. Okay. So this movie was set entirely on a fictional island in the South Pacific called Solgel Island. Yeah. Uh, and they, in the, the this movie actually did a fair amount of like lore related to Solgel Island. And the uh, lore was that there had, this had been occupied by the Japanese before, like during the war. And then they had left at the end of the war, but one anthropologist or archaeologist had stayed behind. With his daughter. Yeah, Matsumiya, and uh, he died. Yeah. <laughs> and so his daughter had just been living on the island for all that time. And for seven years on yeah. her own, yeah. So what did you love about this movie? Let's, let's start there. So this movie was fun. Like, it didn't have any of the weight of previous Godzilla movies, but it wasn't bad either. I just enjoyed watching it. Yeah, I I can agree with that. I there was some parts of it that I was like, this seems over like too much. Like every time <laughs> Baby Godzilla got beat up, I was just like, oh come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but otherwise, yeah, I agree. It was it was just sort of a romp. It was fun. Yeah, it, it wasn't weird like Abira. Abira was like weird surfing theme. <laughs> yeah, that was strange. But I did like Abira. But this one is was I would say this was almost like a great value brand Godzilla movie. Like it was fine. It worked fine. Yeah, it was nothing special. Yeah, and I. I didn't put it in here, and I should have. And I'm. You always get on me. I know. I I put this together past midnight when I was falling asleep. <laughs> but something I really liked, and it follows into my next point, is just the characters in this. They were all pretty solid. Yeah. Goromaki, you know what he was there for, and what his goals were. He was. So, I liked him though, because I liked him for the same reason I liked Tetsuo Tori, and that he was just like very accepting of his fate. Yeah. He dropped. They dropped him there, and he was just like, "Well, I can't swim back, so I guess I live here now." I'm here for a story until you give me one. And then he he was just like, "I'm also your cook," and so he starts cooking. Yep. Like <laughs> my favorite scene in this whole movie, and like this is gonna be the teenage boy coming out in me, but like. When he goes to rehydrate the vegetables, which they're all eating rehydrated vegetables. I don't really know what that is. And it was lettuce. So mm-hmm. that doesn't make any sense. But whatever. He goes to rehydrate them in, in like water. And one of the other guys is like, where'd you get that water? And he's like, oh, it's the bath water, but it hasn't been used yet. 
And the guy's like, nah, so and so washed his boxers in it. And, <laughs> and he they points. Just, they both just stare at it. They're staring at it. So this other guy comes up and he's like, oh, let me try some of that. And, and has it. And he's like, yeah, extra seasoning. And they don't actually let him eat it. Oh, they don't? Well, I think they ate it later, didn't they? I don't think so. I think I they think, did. I think they threw it out. I think it was implied that they were going to eat it. You can't just throw stuff away on an island like that. Well, that's why he was out collecting the the herbs. And no, stuff. that was for seasoning purposes. All right, <laughs> whatever. Anyways, I just love that <laughs> little moments of slapsticky humor like that. I, I did enjoy in this movie. Specially seasoned lettuce. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why I liked Goromaki because I feel like he he was almost the person we should all aspire to be in a Godzilla movie of just like, wow, that was crazy. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and the guy who played um, Professor Kazumi like. That character was also very solid in what he wanted. He wanted to fight global warming. So it was that, it was like global hunger, I think, specifically. Well, cooling down the world so that they could grow more vegetables. Well, I just sorry, I just want to make sure that like we we send the right message here because I it, it was not about global warming. The idea was supposed to be that like we can't grow anything in like yeah, African right. deserts, and so the idea was that if you could alter the weather. alter the weather, you could make those areas you know arable and you could actually grow stuff on them mm-hmm. which isn't to say that i don't think we should talk about global warming i just don't want to like no, you're cite right. global warming where it doesn't exist <laughs> yeah and honestly like we're going to talk about this in my sarah science hour because there's more science behind this than you probably would think mm-hmm. um yeah and fujisaki was also just like a believer in that he did everything he could to help sh- make sure that um the professor could do what he was right. there to do. Yeah, he it, it, up to like sabotaging the radio system so they couldn't like so no one could get off the island so that they could continue their research, which mm-hmm. is wow, super unethical. But um, <laughs> I I think that one thing I kind of liked about this movie, or I thought was kind of interesting about this movie, was that the previous one we watched, the Abira Horror of the Deep, there there was a, a questionably legal, you know installation on an island and they were bad mm-hmm. right these guys i was wondering if first if they were going to be bad because it was seemed so shady and it's the same team putting these two those two movies together yeah so. <laughs> but these guys were actually like they were there for a good reason like yeah. they actually wanted to help the world they were just keeping it on the down low because their technology could be used to hurt people too and they didn't want that to happen right yeah. it was very spider-man-esque like, can't <laughs> let this technology fall into the wrong hands yep okay so, is and, there anything else that you loved about this movie that you want to talk about? Yeah, the last point I wanted to make uh, was Godzilla movies ten, can be very hit or miss with the female characters in it. Oh, yeah. I like Sayako. Yeah, she was very good. Like, she survived seven years on this island on her own with, like, no one else. Mm-hmm. Giant mantis around. She was pretty competent. Yep. Like, she saved them a bunch of times. She always knew, like, which herbs to use to, t- you know, take care of them and, like, that kind of stuff. Yeah, she saved she saves all of them a couple times, like when they all get stricken with this, like island fever or something. Yeah, yeah. Extremely acute onset island fever. Mm-hmm. They were fine, and then it's like ah. Well, they all got really hot. That's <laughs> not how that works. I I don't know, but well. I I mean, probably they got bitten by mosquitoes. That's yeah. generally how that works. So the fact that they all got it at the same time is sort of ridiculous. You mm-hmm. have to admit. Um, but yeah, no, I really liked Sayako too. It, it is super hit or miss. And Ebiro was really, really bad about this the last yeah. one I watched. So the fact that they kind of, I don't know, sometimes I feel like they listen to my complaints. <laughs> I know that doesn't make any sense. It's just like, yay. Well, maybe it's just the reactions that you're having were also the same ones that yeah. people had watching Probably, the movie. yeah. I don't even, I honestly don't even remember the name of the, the woman in the last one. I would have to look. Yes, yeah. but Sayako was great. I liked her a lot. I 
they originally said she was a native woman and then they realized after like finally tracking her down and talking to her that she was actually Japanese. Yep. Um, which I, I again appreciate that like this is not a native person that magically knows how to speak Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and the last thing I wanted to point out about her character is that she's always packing a big knife and at one point throws it at Goro Maki when she thinks he's stealing from her. Yeah, well, he did break into her house, but on the other hand, she stole his clothing. I think he fell into her house. Like, he was running from the mantis, yeah. and he's just, she walks in, and he's, like, passed out on the ground. I, I was very, like, confused by what she said when he broke into her house, because she, she stole his shirt from the clothesline. Mm -hmm. This, like, bright red Hawaiian shirt thing that he had that was kind of dopey, but very, very Goromaki, I yes, would argue. it fit the character. It did. Um, and she's like, this can't be yours. Men don't wear red. Yeah, that was weird. It's like, what? <laughs> but I guess you have to like remember that she hasn't really had any contact with anyone in a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And she's been wearing red the whole time. So maybe she's just like, red is my color. Yeah. Only for me. <laughs> I don't know. It's very weird. All right. What didn't you love about this? Uh, okay. So I didn't like how like, oh, this sounds kind of pathetic, but like, all the other gods, the other kaiju were so mean to baby Godzilla. And it wasn't even so much that they were mean to baby Godzilla, which I can understand, but it felt like the movie was kind of mean <laughs> to baby Godzilla. Like, even when Godzilla was trying to protect baby Godzilla, he would like turn around and baby Godzilla would get smacked by the tail. By the tail yeah. Or like Godzilla would deflect a rock and it would just hit him right in the face. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is horrible. I don't want to watch this. I don't even think I have any maternal instincts. And my maternal instincts were like, raging at this movie <laughs> seriously <laughs> angry like why is this movie so mean to baby Godzilla mm -hmm. I mean he just he's just every scene that he's in he's getting the Beat snot up. kicked yeah. out of him like <laughs> he's falling in the snow and not able to get up while his dad leaves him behind he's getting beat up as soon as he's born he's getting beat up by those kamikudas like it's just so mean I just I don't know the yeah. whole time I was like why and Godzilla's a pretty strict parrot too when right when he's teaching um Mila how to do the atomic breath thing he like steps on manila's tail in order to get the oomph out of the attack yeah it's so mean yeah anyways um <laughs> <laughs> the movie is mean to baby godzilla yeah i think we sure. can establish that here you talk about the other thing you didn't love while i have a sip of coffee okay uh, this was a minor thing but i I grew up in Alaska, which meant that I was around guns growing up. My grandpa hunted. That's how we got some a portion of our meat during fall and winter. No one in this movie, despite carrying guns all of the time, has any like good practice for handling them. For reals, there's like one scene where a guy is carrying a gun over his shoulder, like pointed over his shoulder, and he like turns around and that the them muzzle of the gun like at one point is facing everybody's face and at another point <laughs> one of them is literally resting their heads on like the end of the barrel <laughs> yeah and so that made me cringe every time i know these are japanese people who don't often have access to what like weaponry like that but still <laughs> yeah that's something that they learned in elementary school like we did i didn't really i, I learned it from family stuff not from the uh, it kind of makes me think a little bit of, do you remember when we were in Yellowstone and this is like two years ago? Mm -hmm. I can't say last year because now last year is 2020 and yeah. we didn't do anything in 2020. <laughs> but uh, 20, 2019, I guess it was when we were in Yellowstone and there was this like place in West Yellowstone where you could like go and shoot guns. Mm -hmm. And it seemed so ridiculous to me. Like I had this feeling of like, oh, this is so dumb. Like this is 
just rednecks want to go shoot guns and everything. And then when I looked into it, it was actually for like Chinese visitors yeah like who never have gotten a chance to hold a gun or see a gun and mm-hmm. they can like play around with the guns and i suppose a, hopefully a safe environment yeah um and it made more sense even though i still think it's kind of dumb <laughs> guns aren't toys like come on people yeah. but it made slightly more sense to me than like you've come to yellowstone now live your wild west fantasies <laughs> actually the amount of chinese stuff in west yellowstone was really interesting to me just yeah like, they had like restaurants specifically for the chinese yeah people the, that... they had menus only in chinese like mm-hmm. it's so wild i thought it's, it was cool i thought it was cool too to be clear i don't don't like it's fine i like it mm. but i just did really unexpected to me mostly because i've been to west yellowstone a few times and i don't remember having seen that before so i think that's a kind of a new thing yeah and you don't often see that multiculturalism in u.s well you i think you do but not in rural american west yeah like i mean i I certainly i have seen that in like seattle in the international district Mm -hmm. yeah but not in the middle of wyoming yeah or i guess west yellowstone's in montana but whatever the case would be it seemed like it was a lot of that stuff some of it obviously like the gun place was more intended for visitors but i think a lot of it too was they, a lot of people come to work mm-hmm. in West Yellowstone for a whole season as almost like a sort of a cultural exchange or just to get the chance to live in America for a little while. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of the like infrastructure, the restaurants and stuff were more intended for those people, mm-hmm. the people who are in, in West Yellowstone for the season. But it's really cool. I love Yellowstone. Like Yellowstone's one of my favorite places. Yeah, that was a great trip. So the fact that more people from overseas are coming to see Yellowstone, it makes me happy. I, I, that's mm. my favorite thing about going to national parks, honestly, is just like how multicultural it is compared yeah. to like outside of the park. <laughs> as soon as you leave the park, it's like, where did all these people come from? Mm. But I think it's I think it's rad. It makes me happy that people want to come to the America come to America to see like our national parks. Grand Canyon. Yeah. And... They can see the good parts of America for once. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. All right. So, um, I, is that all you about? You have to say about what you don't, don't love? Yeah, like I like I said, I didn't have many problems oh, with no. this movie. It was it was fine. So I didn't have a lot to. <laughs> yeah, I was just asking because I think then we can probably take a break, huh? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. Let's get some coffee going. Okay. Once upon a time, there was a woman named Amanda and her overgrown man-child husband Andrew. One, an intelligent, responsible adult. The other. A lost cause. And together, they bring you Bumbling Sanity. I still don't know what caused it because I did not find it. Ghosts. Obvious. It was ghosts. <laughs> I did actually go <clears throat> when I saw it. <laughs> yeah, they were upset about that. But I'm sorry, but uh, you're going to about... I'm washing my clothes with beer because I eat my Tide now. Join them as they promote everyday kindnesses, chronicle their strange lives, and make you laugh together, as a family should. Listen today at bs.pantspending.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, or wherever you listen. Hey, did you remember to tell them we're definitely not at all like that Burmart Experience show? What? No! Don't interrupt me! Bumbling Sanity, a completely unique show unlike any others. Probably. And we're back. Welcome back to Kaiju Coffee Break, the podcast about giant monsters and the giant nerds who love them. Uh, We just had a coffee break. It was lovely. And we're back now. (laughs) Yep. I brushed the cat and she is now angry at me. She was angry at you before. She was purring the whole time. I don't know. She's got mixed. She had a murder look on her face, man. 
She has mixed feelings. She's a complicated cat. Kara has resting murder face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Yep. So we got a new sound system. We did. Yeah. Oh, are we doing banter again? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Well, we forgot to talk about it during the banter earlier. Yes. Now that we're both more awake. We got a sound system. Uh, actually, Lee, you should tell the extended story of the sound system. <laughs> so I... I like to research what I get before I get it to to a fault. Lee is prone to analysis paralysis. So I found one that I liked that was sold by Best Buy. You know? Wait, wasn't there another one before this that you had picked out that didn't work out too? I, no, I never got to the point of ordering it. I, but it, it was unavailable like when you were going to go order it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like he that. picked one out. I was like, finally, I gave him permission to like pull the trigger because he was researching all of these different aspects of it. Like, is it a... Uh, does the subwoofer push sound down or out? Does it does it have Bluetooth connections? How many different like additional speakers does it have? Like so all these different factors. Originally, I wanted like two point one, which is soundbar plus a subwoofer. But because of the way that our house is constructed, I didn't want one that downfired because I worried that would just vibrate everything. So we decided to go with one point nine eight instead. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> But I found one I liked that had like a side firing subwoofer and we ordered it from Best Buy. It took a week for them to cancel the order and it just showed as unavailable because they sold them out. Yeah. So that was like a frustrating time. And eventually I decided that any other things I'm looking at are either way too expensive or they're back ordered because COVID. Because of COVID. Yeah. yeah. So we took a chance on the one that downfires we got it from costco so it's got like the sound bar the subwoofer and the two rear speakers and it works great the house doesn't vibrate so i was worrying over nothing but yes well and i think that this this falls really well in line with our exciting family announcement that we we have to make about the newest addition to our family <laughs> don't give people a false lead like that tell them what it is <laughs> it's a ps5 <laughs> jesus I've been doing that. Actually, I've been going Your around. Your mom listens. I've been going around being like, my husband and I are excited to announce the newest addition to our household, a PlayStation 5. <laughs> Your mom will hate you if you do that to oh, her. Oh, come on. My mom knows that I would tell her before I announced on a podcast if I was pregnant. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, we managed to get a PS5 pre-order from GameStop. And hopefully... What's this week? All right, you found it. I ordered it. We... It's a lot of work. It was yeah. like a part-time job to find this PlayStation. You had a bunch of like notifications going and it took me probably an hour of trying to like add to cart. It fails. Refresh. Try a different site. Try a different listing. And eventually we did get it. So yes. we well, it's pre-ordered now. So yeah. we hope every every day we wake up and check the GameStop site, like, oh no. Are they gonna cancel it? Especially when they canceled the sound bar yesterday. There was this moment of like, oh no. Well, it was twofold yesterday because I got the cancellation thing for the sound bar and then I got the, your gift card is ready for the cost of the whole thing. Ah, yeah, because we was, got a bundle. Yeah, it was a bundle and the gift card was supposed to be $20, but it, instead it showed me the full price and I'm like, what the heck here? Oh boy, I would have seriously unleashed the Sarah Rage if they had canceled our pre-order and then just given us a GameStop credit for the almost yeah. $800. Like, uh, no, actually. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but so. it's still it's still uh still out there still kicking and we're hoping to get the playstation at the end of the month so that's very yep. exciting what's the, what are you gonna play first um miles morales probably oh yeah because that's included in our uh yeah. our bundle mm -hmm. our, the bundle we got came with uh demon souls right 
Demon Souls, yep. Miles, Miles Morales. Morales. Two controllers. Which is good because there's two of us. <laughs> and a $20 gift certificate, which is so far the only thing we've gotten back. The I feel like we should use that money to get the media remote because our our uh, remote for our TV is has catastrophically failed uh, in a structural sense. Yeah, as much as I like the TV and the soundbar, the remote for the TV is exceedingly frail it, yeah the cat has decided like cat has placed a target on it and the cat will knock it off the the sofa or off of the table and it will go crashing to the ground and then the batteries pop out and the back plate isn't really attached anymore it, yeah it's broken in two places out of the three that holds it on and the rubber like the rubber buttons i like will kind of push out of the frame oh it's so bad the tv itself works great yeah. but like the remote is bad and it's kind of wild because it's not that hard to get uh, just a, like a universal remote but for whatever reason we just don't well we we make do with what we have until we can't anymore. Yeah, that's kind of the Sarah and Lee way. <laughs> but at any rate, so yes, we are getting a PlayStation 5, and we're very excited. I'm going to play Ghost of Tsushima, Yep. and Lee's going to play Miles Morales. And, and then I'm going to play Ghost of Tsushima again, because <laughs> <laughs> that game is great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to playing it. I've been putting it off because I kind of wanted to play it on the PlayStation 5 for the better graphics. Yeah, well, when Seneca got it for my birthday, I couldn't really wait anymore. So. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Thank you, Seneca. Yes. Uh, all right, so let's take it back in. What what was uh, ridiculous about this movie? Oh, we, we watched uh, Son of Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> in case you missed that. It's still the title. Yep. <laughs> uh, so our introduction to Goromaki is kind of ridiculous. Like the research people see a plane go by and they're like, ooh, supplies. And they go out there and it's a guy and his luggage. And he's and like, okay, you can take my luggage now. I'm a reporter. I'm here for a story deal with it yeah <laughs> well that, there's no way to get rid of him yeah it's sort of kind of ridiculous that these people are there with no way to like escape in an emergency you'd think they'd have a boat or something yeah, yeah. well they had a life life raft and that was it yeah <laughs> whatever <laughs> but yeah that is one heck of an introduction just like jump out of a plane and go like hey guys i'm here now hey guys i know you're expecting like chocolate but instead it's me hi <laughs> yeah this isn't coffee yeah Anyways, um, I agree. That was kind of that was a, a really, really gutsy move for him too to just like jump out of a plane and be like, "I'm here now. I'm ready for my story." Yep, <laughs> it is kind of out of left field. I know but. a lot of journalists though, and those people are crazy in a good way. So maybe, <laughs> maybe it's realistic. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can sort of see Cameron doing that, just being like, "Aha! You will tell me the story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> gotcha. You can't get rid of me." Yep. I'm going to make lettuce with your underpants. God, that is so weird. Out of context. (laughs) All right. So my next point, you kind of talked about a little bit. Uh, Manila takes a lot of damage in this movie. (sighs) The mantis, when they first crack open the egg, are just like hitting him while he's rolling around on the ground. And he's screaming in terror. Yeah. Like the Godzilla or the baby Godzilla noises are so pitiful in this he's he's always constantly crying for his dad or his mom as it probably should be and like (laughs) crying in pain it's terrible yep at one point godzilla like kicks a rock as is his um want Mm. at the mantis the mantis catch it like pass it back and forth in each of their claws and then fling it right at manila's face and it just knocks him down it's so horrible he didn't do anything to anyone yeah he just wants to be there yeah he just wants to eat fruit yep and chill yep instead he's just getting beaten down by everything that shows up yes it's oh it's horrible okay the, we, we don't want to spend any more time talking the, about that. well 
the spider shows up too and he's trying to fight the spider and the spider just like wraps it in silk and yeah <laughs> the spider is a silk it's like the same thing it's even the same sound that mother makes when it's spray yeah. is silk except it's not a good I thought, character i thought that the um the spider looked a lot like the kind of spider that we've actually seen in japan i can't remember exactly what they were called here you can talk about it for a second and i'll look it up well i'll just wait because your typing gets picked up uh, i think that, so i think that uh kumonga it's kumonga right is based off of a spider called the Joro spider. It's a Trichinophila clavata. It's a, a, an orb weaver spider that's common throughout Japan. Um, it looks like they found the first known occurrence of it in 2015 in the United States. But um, these spiders are really common in Japan in the summertime. And we saw them a lot. They're yeah. huge. They're cool looking. Too, yeah, they're like- not aggressive. So that's nice. But mm. the first time I saw one, I was like I freaked out because they are they are quite large. Yeah. And they're everywhere. They're like I think probably what I would say two inches from the end of the butt to the face. It says due to its large size as well as the bright, unique colors of the female trichinophella, the spider is well favored in Japan. <laughs> Actually there's a mythological species or a mythological creature based on it as well. I would um, Jorogumo. It's uh a yokai that can shape shift between a spider and a woman. Uh, sometimes people actually write it using the characters that mean entangling newlywed woman. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> we don't need to get into that suit too much. Um, yeah. But yeah, so this there's also a yokai based on this, which actually makes sense because a lot of times these creatures are based on yokai. Yeah. Um, by the way, if you're interested in yokai at all, I really recommend you listen to uh, the episode of 99% Invisible about y- yokai. It was It's really interesting mm-hmm. how the yokai have kind of entangled themselves in Japanese pop culture and thus in American pop culture mm-hmm. in a way that like we don't have the context in America to necessarily suss out without understanding Japanese culture. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we, we kind of have the inklings of all of this, but w- without the context. So like... Mm-hmm it's hard to understand exactly where Pokemon came from and where like mascots, how everything in Japan has a mascot. Yeah. And in that episode, they talk a lot about uh, yokai and kind of how they inform Japanese character culture. And Mm -hmm. I think it's really interesting. So I'm just going to plug that really fast. Everything has a mascot. (laughs) Everything has a mascot. Yes. Well, and they, it's kind of, it's an interesting listen now too, because it is during the pandemic, they made it. So they talk about Amabie, the, the kind of pandemic mascot. (laughs) Uh, she was like a mermaid fish woman, and the legend is is that um, she came to Tokyo during a, I think it was a cholera outbreak, mm-hmm. and had said like in times of plague, show people my picture and it will give them hope. And so for a while before we all got exhausted and didn't want to think about COVID anymore, there was like a big movement in Japan of like you know here's let's all have pictures of Amabie and and use her to cheer up us up and stuff. Mm-hmm. So anyways, let's uh, we can get back to what we were talking about. <laughs> Point being, I do think that. Uh, Kuronga is based on that particular kind of spider, which you can look up pictures of it. Um, it's pretty interesting. Apparently, you can find them in Georgia now, so watch out, Georgia. All right. <laughs> but they they are maybe toxic, but they didn't never seemed uh, aggressive to me. So yeah, they, they were pretty chill. Like we saw spiders, them a yeah. lot. Um, yeah. And it looks like they uh, they spin webs that are useful. They're silk spiders. So okay. There you go. Cool. Kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, back to your regular. That was not Sarah's Science Hour. We do have a Sarah Science <laughs> Hour coming up here. That was not. That was just me talking about spiders because I like bugs. Mm. Um, uh, my last point for what was ridiculous is the weather t- changing technology, which I think you're going to get into. I am. Yeah. <laughs>
but yeah, the the means by which they did it seemed very far-fetched, but I guess I'll find out how close to reality those are soon. Closer than you think. All right. <laughs> um, did you have anything that you thought was awesome in this movie? I liked this movie. I mean, I don't know about awesome. I think I talked about what I loved. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, if I'm being completely frank, I have a hard time understanding the difference between what I loved and what was awesome. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I think there was a lot of kaiju, and they looked good. Godzilla looked good. The mantises looked really good. Yeah, I think that the like the hard plating of the mantises really lends itself well to costume making mm-hmm. because it doesn't have to bend the way Godzilla's suit does. Yeah, because when it bends, it looks funny. Mm-hmm. But when when it's hard plated and it's jointed, it's much easier to produce like a more realistic looking outfit yeah. for them. And and uh, so I did like that. I thought the mantises looked really good. Yep. And uh, Kumonga looked great too. And it was fun to see that he was obviously a spider that I was already familiar with. Yeah. And I, I thought those two designs were really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, for a movie primarily directed at children, that they actually looked pretty scary looking. And I thought it was interesting when I saw that they would have sometimes as many as 20 puppeteers on set to to handle the mantis and the spider. Their budget's going up. Well, actually, this was a less budget movie. Really? Yeah. That's why they didn't have any city sets. I guess people are cheap. There was no explosions or anything really in this. And very few models. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's the benefit of doing it on these like South Pacific islands because then you already have a reason to not have big cities and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. But no, I thought this movie was good. It was, I guess, I don't know. We're going to rate it later, so I'll save that. (laughs) Uh, Do you want to talk about weather modification? Uh, Yeah. All right. Sarah's Science Hour. (laughs) (laughs) It's getting worse, guys. Oh, no. All right. Uh, So today we're talking about weather modification. Uh, This is not my field of research or study at all. So hopefully I'm not talking out of the side of my mouth too much here. But I'll try to explain in basic terms. So what we're talking about specifically is cloud seeding because Mm -hmm. that seemed to be what they were doing in this. Uh, They were doing some extra stuff. So in the movie, they fired a quote unquote cryo probe into the atmosphere. Then they seeded the clouds with silver iodide. And then they like set off some kind of radioactive explosion, right? Mm-hmm. That sounds something like yeah. that. Yeah. So I don't know anything about the cryoprobe, and I don't know anything about the radioactive. I think that stuff was not real. But silver, seeding clouds with silver iodide is actually a real thing. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk first about how that works. Silver iodide was discovered in 1946 as. Uh, compound that had a similar crystalline structure to ice so it's not that silver iodide itself is similar to ice it's that like when it forms crystalline structures they are similar in properties to ice similar enough that it can serve as a nucleation point for the creation of ice so the way that works is you if you already have a cloud it's full of moisture right Mm -hmm. if you spray silver iodide into it it forms ice the reason that it does that is that oftentimes the liquid inside of a cloud is super cooled, mm-hmm. uh, which basically means that it's below freezing, but it hasn't frozen. Once you provide silver iodide as a nucleation point, ice crystals can form and then it starts to precipitate. It is snow, but then if it's warm outside, it will melt and yeah. fall as rain. Um, whether it falls as rain or whether it falls as snow kind of depends on where you are. Mm-hmm. Like they have used this to in- in- increase the snowpack in Idaho. There was actually a study that did that where, yeah. So so it can be snow, it can be rain. That's I'm just mentioning that because it seems like we should clarify that. Yeah, yeah. Um, as far as nucleation points, to like explain how that works, I think pretty much all of us have probably done this as an experiment in science class where you make rock candy. Mm-hmm. If you're familiar with that, where that's where you dissolve more sugar into water than water can technically absorb. So yeah. it's, you're making a super saturated solution and then you put a string 
in there and leave it and eventually sugar crystals will form around the string. You can also see this, there's a lot of videos online of super cooled water where, for example, if you left a bottle of water out in very cold temperatures and didn't disturb it, it will be below freezing, but it will be liquid until you touch it. And as soon as you disturb it, it shocks the, the water and causes the bottle to freeze. Yeah, I've, I've actually seen this in real life. I've done it on accident because yeah. my family will just leave their water bottles on the porch because it's free cooling. Yeah, so, so, so Lee grew up in a home that wasn't connected to the water system. So his family had to buy water bottles in order yeah. to have drinking water because Alaska. Yep. Um, <laughs> the cistern was not great to drink out yeah, of. Yeah, you don't want to drink out of that because it's like got gunk in the bottom of it and it came off the roof. And, and some stuff. bleach. Yeah, yeah, it's just not, so, not not good for drinking. Good for showering, good for flushing toilets, not yeah. good for drinking. So, and I've seen this too at Lee's house where like you step outside and you grab a wa- bottle of water. If it's cold outside, it might look liquid, but as soon as you touch it, it freezes. Yep. And you can find a lot of videos of this on YouTube too. This is a really kind of popular subject for youtube videos it's also like a parlor trick it is basically yeah um so this is happening in clouds silver iodide is providing kind of the the space for these ice crystals to form and then they fall as rain or snow in theory Mm. uh as i said this was invented or not invented but discovered in 1946 actually by a scientist named bernard vonnegut he was a researcher for general electric okay now that name may sound familiar to you uh his brother kurt vonnegut wrote about this in his book. It was actually his master's thesis called Cat's Cradle. Mm-hmm. He There was a, a kind of a concept in that that book wherein it was called Ice Nine, and it turned regular water into ice at room temperature. So any water that was in contact with the Ice Nine would also freeze and become Ice Nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see how this would be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> but point being, Kurt Vonnegut and Bernard Vonnegut were brothers, and they, they kind of, yeah. I guess, shared ideas a little bit. Um I thought thought that was pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this has been used in the United States with mixed results, mostly for uh, prevention of hail, because hail is really common in the Midwest and pretty damaging to crops. Yeah. However, there's never been any great evidence that it works because there's no control group, right? Like Mm -hmm. we can see the clouds, but we don't really know what would have happened if we didn't. Yeah. And you can't lab test that. Well, you can. I mean, they have, and that's shown benefit in lab tests. Mm -hmm. But once you get out into the field, you know, yeah. it's much harder to test. Um, there was a study that was done in Idaho that I mentioned earlier uh, fairly recently that could kind of conclusively prove that, that this can increase pr- uh, production of rain or snow. Not a lot, but mm. enough, you know. Was this funded by Schweitzer? God, I don't know. <laughs> no, it was a, it was a scientific study. Um, we also originally tried to use this for prevention of hurricanes. The idea mm. being that if you could get the hurricanes to drop the precipitation that was in them before they became a hurricane, like when they were still a tropical depression, you might prevent that storm from forming. Mm-hmm. They never had a lot of luck with this. It, it wasn't, it didn't seem like it worked very well. Yeah. Um, it didn't disrupt the formation of the hurricane, but that's what we, in the United States we've tried to use it for. And it's not widely used. There's just not a lot of funding for it in the United States right mm-hmm. now where it is used on the other hand <laughs> is China China actually has a Beijing Weather Modification Office, a governmental agency that employs more than three hundred thousand, sorry, more than thirty thousand people in China. Wow! They use this for a lot of different things. It's kind of common knowledge in China that it almost always rains the day before a holiday. Mm-hmm. The reason being that they use silver iodide to dump the rain out of the clouds on the day before the holiday. So they can have a good day. So they have a nice day <laughs> on the holiday. Um, and also that rain clears some of the, the haze too. Mm. So it has kind of double duty. Yeah. You can see how this could be a problem in some ways. 
like there's there's a lot of tension between different places uh, because you have to dump the rain somewhere, mm-hmm. right? So if you're like, oh, I don't want the rain to reach the capital, so I'm going to dump it on this village or whatever, they can they would be rightfully kind of upset. But it goes the other way too because China's really drought stricken, so it feels unfair to the places that get the the rain versus yeah. the places that don't. Um, they actually use this, I think, where they got the press and people started to really catch on to the fact that they were doing this was they used it for the 2008. Uh, Beijing Summer Olympics. So they've been doing it for that long. Oh, they've yeah. been doing it for longer than that. Wow. But this is when people, I think, really started to catch on to what, like the extent of what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And China is really drought stricken. I don't think that it's necessarily widely known that that's the case, but China has had a lot of droughts. And so they're also using this to try to direct water to their more drought stricken areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of other ways that we like ideas that we've had for modifying the weather, but silver iodide is probably the the one with the most science behind it. I was reading about how in France it's fairly common to use basically like sound cannons to try to break up hail before it falls on the vineyards because obviously wine is a massive export for yeah. France. Um, the science still out on that whether that actually <laughs> helps or not. Again, it's hard because you don't have a control group. But it's an interesting idea. Like in in the United States, sometimes we'll try to redirect lightning mm-hmm. away from areas that are inhabited. Again, eh, yeah. hard to say whether it actually works. But as far as cloud seeding goes, this does seem to work. The question is, like, how useful is it? Mm-hmm. I don't know. People in China would probably say it's quite useful. They've invested a lot of money in it. Um, one thing that it's not good for, that it's not really shown so much in this movie, is it's not going to cool you down significantly. Yeah. Like, certainly not enough to snow. You can have a couple, de- you can lose a couple degrees when it rains just because that's how rain works. Things cool down when you get them wet because then mm-hmm. they lose heat through evaporation. But you're not going to drop the temperature enough to snow if it wasn't cold enough to snow already. Yeah, I guess that's what the other pieces. That's what the cryoprobe or whatever was for. I don't know. That Some of that was ridiculous. Honestly, what surprised me wasn't so much that it was ridiculous, so much that they actually used silver iodide. Like, that's not a new idea at all. Mm. Like I said, it was uh, discovered in 1946. So obviously we've known about this for some time. And And this took place in like 67. So Right. So it makes sense that they would kind of use silver iodide. I always think it's kind of clever when these movies mix real science and science fiction, you know? Yeah. So I guess the only question I have that I can think to ask right now is... um, how much of a pollutant would silver iodide be? That's a really good question, and I wasn't able to find the answer to that. Silver iodide, um, it, it's a small amount they're using, because you only need to provide a, a little bit of a nucleation point, and then the ice becomes self-perpetuating. Like, mm-hmm. It forms, it, it produces a nucleation point for its own ice crystal formation. Yeah. So you don't need a lot. I don't know. Honestly, silver can be toxic to human beings. I actually thought it was kind of funny. I wanted to talk about this for a second. Um Silver, so there's colloidal silver, which is used in like bandages as an antiseptic. Mm-hmm. But sometimes people take colloidal silver as a non-prescribed supplement, if you yeah. will. Uh, it can actually turn you blue, completely blue. Sonic blue? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, obviously physicians don't recommend taking that, but it is available, mm-hmm. you know, commercially. Um, as far as from this, I don't know. what When I was researching it, what I found was the suggestion that if we stopped doing this, it would probably be worse than if we, than the pollution caused by the silver iodide. Gotcha. Do you know what I mean? Like, cause yeah. we are cooling the planet slightly by doing this. So okay. it's better to keep doing it, especially when like the world's largest country is doing it pretty, pretty widespread. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. That's a good question. And that's what I wondered too. It was like, is it really safe yeah. to be, <laughs> to be like crop dusting people with silver iodide all the time? The truth is, is 
I, we're, we're not going to know. Mm-hmm. Not as long as China's the only one doing it because they're not going to tell us. Yeah, right. That's, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought this was pretty interesting. What do you yeah. think? No, it definitely was. I didn't know we could. I had heard cloud seeding, but I that. I thought that was just like some a theory kind of thing. I right. didn't know we actually put it to use. Yeah, we do it. Not so much here in the United States, but sometimes, occasionally, mm-hmm. um, we can do it. We it seems like in the United States, it's it's still more of a scientific theory, like something that we we mostly do through testing. But I I so I have a couple of linked articles uh, that we'll put in the show notes, and one of them is from Scientific American, and, and it uh, talks about the work that a scientist is doing. Um, who is studying it in Reno, Nevada. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're talking about kind of the Great Basin area. So if you can imagine the Great Basin is um, is a depressed area of the country that stretches from Nevada and into Utah. Yeah. Um, it's Great Basin National Park is there. Um, Great Basin doesn't actually have any like natural water flowing into it. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's an isolated area in terms of water. So there's water sources inside of it, but it's not... It's almost a closed system. Yeah, it's almost a closed system is a good way to think about it. So this is obviously an ideal place to study cloud seeding. Yeah. Right. Um, so if you're interested in that, I would recommend kind of coming and reading through some of the sources that I'm going to post in the show notes because I think it's pretty, pretty interesting stuff. And I, I don't feel like I'm super qualified to answer like a lot of questions about it, but mm-hmm. I just wanted to bring people's attention to it because it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Did you have any other questions about it? Uh, no, I don't think so. I'm like the most I had ever seen as far as like that is the snow machines they had up at Switzer. Well, that's completely different. Yeah, I okay. know. <laughs> I completely understand how those work. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I weather modification sounds like sci-fi stuff. Oh, to absolutely. Me. Yeah. Uh, those those uh snow machines also confuse me because to me a snow machine is like a device that you use to travel across the snow mm. uh aka a snowmobile yep <laughs> <laughs> these are snow making machines yes but yeah so uh i think that's it for sarah science hour all right do 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 the end <laughs> so i had one quote that i wanted to bring out of this movie and it's something that i think you enjoyed a lot um when the manti are hitting the ground and can i can i pause you is are is manti really the correct plural for mantis i have no idea but i like it okay <laughs> <laughs> um but anyways when here i will change it up what are they called kamakuras yeah when the kamakuras are hitting the ground and the egg shows up that contains manila um garamaki points and goes tamagoda which is an egg it's an it, egg, yeah. <laughs> yes, and I just, I love that. It it tickles me. <laughs> Why, though? <laughs> I don't. It's, it's the um, conciseness of the Japanese language. Like, for us, it'd be like, look, an egg, just it's egg-da. <laughs> egg is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Well, and da is shortening, too. Yeah. Shortening so of death. <laughs> I just, I appreciate the economy of words. As someone who doesn't talk much, like, <laughs> getting your point across in... Like four syllables. You could honestly just say Tamago. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I just appreciate that. Okay. But I my favorite quote is the seasoned lettuce. Yeah. <laughs> I should have put that in there too. But yeah. That was good. All right. So how would you rate this movie? Oh boy. Uh okay. So is it out of five? Uh, that's how I do it. So you can do it however you want. Um, this is hard. I would have given it probably a four because I think it's good. I think mm-hmm. it's fine. It's not like the best. It's fine. Like yeah. I said, I think earlier when I said that it was a great value, Godzilla movie is a good way of saying it. It's fine. <laughs> However, I am going to knock back half a star because of the 
horrible treatment of baby Godzilla. I just can't abide. Mm-hmm. So we're giving this movie, I'm giving this movie 3.5 stars out of five. Yeah, that's actually where I would fall to. Um, it was good. Uh, it wasn't, it's not going to be the most memorable movie that I've seen for Godzilla, but I liked it. So three and a half out of five. I have to give it some credit because I am a hard critic right the second. Everything is pretty bad right now and this movie didn't upset me really and any other than just like my annoyance at the way that, that it was like you know treating baby Godzilla but mm-hmm. it's a good movie to watch when you don't really can't really stomach anything too crazy yeah that's for sure so I, I do appreciate that it was fine mm-hmm. so yeah uh would you recommend watching it yeah if you have access to this movie yeah. and you don't and you don't mind a little bit of baby abuse <laughs> <laughs> go ahead and go ahead and watch this movie it's it's enjoyable yeah if you got some popcorn make it a night yeah. it'll be good we can't go to the theater so why not right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so take us out all right kaiju coffee break is brought to you by pants pending studios and our patrons on patreon become a patron at patreon.com slash pants pending or give a one-time donation at buymeacoffee.com slash pants pending listen to new episodes at kcb.pantspending.com or wherever you download podcasts and if you like what you hear consider leaving us a rating it really helps us out got something to say send us an email kaijucoffeebreak at gmail.com tweet at us at break kaiju or hit us up on facebook at kaiju coffee break actually don't do any of those things <laughs> no i'm kidding I, I do check our twitter occasionally and our email only gets spam, so please send us something. Send us an email. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, as always, to Andrew and Amanda, Pants Pending, for the support, and to Sen for bringing out the weirdo in all of us. I just also want to say thanks for thanks to GameStop for sponsoring. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> That'd be funny, though. Uh, yeah, I, that would be cool. <laughs> Get at us. Not Th- GameStop, though. I don't know how I feel about GameStop. Yeah. Well, thanks to Costco for the nice sandbar. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't pay for it, but, we you know. Did. We paid for it. And they were nice enough to tell us that we could come back and get some money back on it. No, thank you. Here, how about this? Thank you to Pfizer and BioNTech for not sponsoring this article or this episode, but at least vaccinating me. Thank you also to the Oregon Health Authority and to uh, CHI Health Systems for vaccinating me. And Heritage Coffee Roasting Co. for caffeinating us for the podcast. Yes, none of these people gave us any money, but we're still grateful for them. But you could give us money if you wanted. You could. (laughs) Yeah. All right, I think we're <laughs> I think we're getting goofy. It's, it's yeah, time to it's go. devolving. Bye, everybody. Bye. Stay safe. Wear a mask. just a situation where you're going to cut a bunch of our blurbs out of context? Um, no, because then there would be blisters in awkward places, which would be terrible. Oh, here we go. That is the dirtiest thing I've ever seen. Listen to the nerd with Adam, Will, and Amanda. Why did I get top billing? I don't deserve top billing. Because out of the two of us, you're the one she likes better. Oh man. I mean, yeah. I'm eight months pregnant. Put another one in me. And that's when she figured out that I had taken drugs. How are all of you? We're going to do a promo, but we're just going to talk sex. I got to see her. Oh, man. I mean, yeah. She cooked dinner for me in lingerie, which hopefully she doesn't listen to this. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. This podcast phenomenon is sweeping the nation, and we're all up on the bandwagon with the plethora of episodes at Nerd. Pantspending.com. Willem Dafoe gives me a lady boner. Blue Chew is bull****, by the way. <laughs> Listen to the nerd. It's not the worst thing that can happen to you. Is that a good no?
It takes effort to do a promo. Yeah. And I think we knew that before. <laughs> Although I feel like we could just put that part in. Yeah. <laughs> that along with the, the nerdy thing Adam said and me with the sexy voice. There you go. There's your promo, Will. Congratulations. The nerd. I'm sorry. Hello and welcome to Kaiju Coffee Break, the podcast about giant monsters and the giant nerds who love them. Ooh, try that again. I'm owning it. No, please. <laughs> I will not continue until you've repeated that. I'm still recording. That's my, that's my, uh, <laughs> that's a track for my upcoming Asthma album. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a- ASMR, isn't it? Put on your headphones. Bring us back in or I'm going to put that into the outtakes.